How many of us recognize that life is rarely a plain and level path? That all of us have stuff we deal with. We all have things that pull on us, that weigh on us, that call to us. Yes, we may be in different seasons, and and yes, the struggles that we have may have different names, but we really always and all end up with the same sentiment, that life is often hard to live and sometimes even harder to understand. And as we go through this life, the reality is that there's a lot of things that can steal our rest, our peace, our serenity of soul. We're looking tonight at a psalm of David. And you know, one of the things I love about David is, as you consider David's life, he can speak to the human experience. At this point, we're going to find that David was an old man when he had written this, and David lived quite the life. David, in his life, he knew the highest of highs. But he also knew the lowest of lows. David in his life experienced pain beyond my imagination. And yet David also experienced great prosperity. David had faced some formidable enemies. And as David, in the experience of his life, and as David, as he considers uh, the truth of Scripture and the reality of God, he has here tonight some advice for the people of God. And that is, we, as he admonishes in verse 7, learn to rest in the Lord. I want to look tonight from this psalm about some reasons that you and I truly can rest in the Lord. Look with me, verses 1 and 2, as we get going. The Bible says here, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither is the green herb. Church, how is it that you and I can rest in the Lord, that we can find rest in the Lord? Well, first of all, if we're going to rest in the Lord, we're going to have to remember this, that God's position is secure. If you and I are going to find rest in the Lord, we're going to have to remember that God's position is secure. Now, we're told here not to fret because of evildoers. That word fret, it has the idea of, uh, of to become frustrated. Literally, it means to become, become hot or become agitated or become furious. And so the psalmist is saying, as we look at the evildoers around us, that we should not allow the workers of iniquity to upend our lives in such a way that we're always all hot and bothered and angry. That can be hard to do. Because there is a boldness to the evil that exists in our world. Our world glorifies an extent of depravity that is hard To even imagine that we glorify chopping up children in the womb and we call it health care. We we glorify as a culture chopping up children outside of the womb and again we call it health care. We we glorify all sorts of of wickedness in this world, all sorts of sexual deviancy and perversion, all sorts of confusion, all sorts of hate, all sorts of discrimination. Our world is bold in the evil that they do. It's in our face. And it is an affront to the Spirit of God that lives within us. 
And yet the Bible says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Now let me give some clarification here. What David is not saying is that sin shouldn't bother us. No, uh, sin is a frustration. Sin should bother us. We should be broken by the wickedness that we see around us. And we should be broken by the recognition that those who are doing that wickedness, and that if they don't get saved, they're going to die and go to hell forever. That ought to weigh on us. That ought to bother us. So what David is saying is not that sin shouldn't be a frustration, but what he is saying is that sin shouldn't become a fixation. Because, boy, it's easy, isn't it, to get on our soapbox and then all we ever see and all we ever do is rant and rave and ah! That's not what we should be. Some people, all they do is rant and rave. Just get on Facebook. But the Bible says, fret not because of evildoers. And verse number one, it also says, neither be thou envious. How many of us would be honest enough to say it's hard to see evil people prosper? That they often obtain, they often achieve, they often experience what we wish we did. Amen? Maybe you're more spiritual than I am. You know what? We can say it doesn't bother us, but in reality, it's easy to be bothered. But I want you to see, why does David say, fret not thyself because of evildoers? Why, why shouldn't we be all hot and agitated and furious and rant and rave? Why shouldn't we be envious when they have and they do and they experience all the things we wish we did? Well, the reason's found in verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither is the green herb. You know the truth, church, the reality is that whatever the wicked have done, they're not going to get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. And whatever the wicked have obtained, it's not going to last. You know why? Because God is still on the throne. Because Jesus is still king. And they can rant and they can rave and they can do wickedly. But you know what they can't do? They can't overthrow him. We got elections coming up. Guess who isn't up for election? King Jesus. Never has been, never will be. They can't overthrow him. You know what else? They can't outsmart him. You know what else? They can't escape him. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. I love how the psalmist puts it here. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Church, fret not because of evildoers. Because the wicked will be judged. I love what, look look down at verse number 9 of Psalm 37. Look how David kind of continues this point. In verse number 9 it says, For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse number 10. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, though thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. 
be. Look at verses 12 and 13 of the same chapter. The wicked plotteth against the judge just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. But the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Church, God is on the throne. And it doesn't matter what they do, and it doesn't matter what they devise, and it doesn't matter what they determine, and it doesn't matter how strong they look in this moment, their day is coming. David here likens them to the grass. You think about grass. Grass is not something that poses much of a threat, is it not? Not only is it very temporal, It really poses little threat. I can put my kids in the yard. I can put my baby in the yard. And my baby can rip up grass. I wish he wouldn't. But he could. My baby could rip up grass. Listen. Sometimes from our earthly perspective, the wicked look mighty strong. We see the spiritual wickedness that, that controls uh, the, the, the realm of this earth. We, we understand that the, the, devil, the devil is wielding from our perspective an immense power in our day and age. That it's evil, that it's dark, and, and men do exceedingly wicked things. And, and sometimes we wonder. But the reality is, God's not worried about them. God's not bothered by their agenda or their aggression. God is not threatened in the slightest. So church, fret not. Fret not. You know what? There's probably going to be some crazy stuff coming out of Washington. But church, fret not. Fret not. Rest in the Lord. You know why? Because we know how it ends, amen? Psalm 37, look at the end of the chapter, verses 35 and 36 there towards the end. David says this, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. And at the end of the day, here's the reality. God is on the throne. And God will judge in righteousness. So there's no point in me getting all hot and bothered. Because he's got it taken care of. Church, if we're going to rest in the Lord, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to rest in the fact that God's position is secure. That's not the only thing we can rest in. Look at verses 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So church, we're going to rest, number one, in the reality that God's position is secure. The wicked may rage, but they can't overthrow him. They can't outsmart him. They can't escape him. They will be cut down like the grass. But secondly, we can rest in the Lord. Because God's provision is satisfying. His position is secure and his provision is satisfying. Verse 3 tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. 
We're to have trust and confidence in the Lord. And with our confidence in Him, what are we supposed to do? Do good. And so with our confidence in God, our character and conduct ought to be set to do God's will, to do good. In other words, we have a very interesting thing that's presented here. We ought to diligently do our job while we depend on God to do His job. Trust in the Lord and do good. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to trust God to do his job. Let me put it this way. Know your role and trust that God will do his part. You know, sometimes as a parent, my kids like to try to parent. And I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that. But my kids are really good at trying to be parents to their siblings. It's not uncommon for me to look at him and be like, hey, I don't need your help. I got it. I don't need your help. I'm the parent. I'll do my part. You do your part. You know, sometimes we can get ourselves in a place where we get really very unsettled and frustrated when we don't trust God to do his part. When, when we try to take it all on our shoulders. Church, I think it's important for us to remember that God doesn't need your help to do his job. God doesn't need my help to do his job. God has not failed. I, I, I love the psalmist talks about uh, here and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Here uh, a reference to Israel and God's covenant promise to them to, to bring them into the land and to help them enjoy the fullness of that land. And God fulfilled his promises to Israel, did he not? God doesn't need my help to do his job. He has not failed. He will not fail. He cannot fail. And so what happens is when I try to handle it all myself, it is a recipe for distress and disaster because I'm not equipped to do God's job. I'm not. It's kind of like, have you ever seen somebody carrying like 17 things? And they're very obviously struggling. They're very obviously over their heads. And you ask them, because you're a, a good Christian man or a good Christian lady, you ask them, can I help you? And there are stubborn people like myself who exist that will probably look you in the eye and say, nope, I've got it. And I will juggle the 17 things and I will bear the 1,700 pounds and it will kill me, but I've got it. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Boy, church, we get ourselves into a position where we start trying to carry a whole bunch of things that don't belong to us. And when we do that, you know, we very quickly forfeit the rest that we ought to have in God. But I'm going to tell you, church, when I realize that God's got what he's promised to do and I've got what I need to do and and I give myself to following Jesus, the reality is there is a freedom and a fullness to faith in Jesus and following Jesus that nothing else can compare with. He references here, so shalt thou dwell in the land and barely thou shalt be fed. Now here's the thing, for you and I as as a church, we don't own any land over in the Middle East. That promise is not for us. 
That promise is for Israel. But you know what I see in the heart of this promise is the reality that God has promised to provide for us a place, a settledness of spirit, and to sustain us in what we need. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that compares with the blessings of knowing and following Jesus. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. David says this a, a little... That a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know what? There is a superiority to the blessings of God that the abundance of this world cannot compete with. Look at verse 18 and 19. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. I'm going to tell you, there is a peace that God provides. Our happiness, our peace, our serenity of soul, it's not based on what's happening around us. If my peace is based on the happenings around me, then I'm going to be up and down just like my circumstances. But my peace, my serenity, my fulfillment, boy, it is based on the faithfulness of God. There is a superiority to the blessing of God. There is a serenity. Look at verse 25. David said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. There is a certainty to the blessings of following Jesus. Following Jesus satisfies like nothing else. Look at verse number 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. So here we find satisfaction. The satisfaction of God's provision is not just what we find following Jesus, but also what we receive from fellowship with him. In this verse, we're instructed to to learn to delight ourselves in the Lord. You know, delight, it means what? It means to take joy in. You know, we we delight, we take joy in a lot of things. I take delight in, in, in many, many foods. Many foods bring me great joy. I'll probably reference that here again in a bit. Um, but man, love, love me some food. We as a human species, we delight in fun activities. Hobbies and sports and things of whatever nature. We, we delight in people, family and friends. The psalmist here says that we need to learn to delight in the Lord. That we need to learn to find joy, to learn to love, to learn to find pleasure in the person and presence of God. Learn to wow over him. The end of that verse says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Sometimes people ask, they say, well, what is it that God is going to give? Is he actually going to take and give you the desires? So to make you want certain things or is, or is he going to fulfill the desires that you have? My answer is, when we delight in the Lord, the answer is yes. The answer is yes, 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 yes. Let me explain. We tend, what we wow tends to determine what we want. This past week down at Pensacola, they didn't have this when I was in college. They have a Papa John's on campus. And a Chick-fil-A. 
I mean, that right there, like, I, I held out for like a whole 18 hours before I went and got myself a Papa John's pizza. Because I saw it, and I was like, wow, that looks good. And then, that's all I could think about, was wow, that was good. Wow, mm, mm. And, but the reality is, what we wow tends to frame what we want. And, boy, I think sadly we lost our wow over God, many of us, a long time ago. But what we wow will determine what we want. Let me give you another. When we wow that which is not ours, we, fail, we often fail to delight in what is ours. When we wow over that which is not ours, we often fail to delight in what is ours. Let me give you another illustration. Do you want to become discontent with where you live? Start looking at houses. Start looking at houses. Go on Zillow. Talk to a realtor. Go look at houses. And I'm going to tell you, you spend any time looking at houses and all of a sudden, all of the flaws of where you live start coming out. You want to get discontent with your car? Go for a test drive. Right? When we start to want what, when we start to wow what isn't ours, then all of a sudden we tend to fail to want what is ours. But let me put all of it together. When we learn to wow over the Lord by who he is, his love for us, his glory and his majesty, his plan for us, his promises to us. When we learn to wow over the Lord, who he is and what he's done, you know what it'll do? It'll change what I want. And what I, when what I want is changed to line up with what he wills for me, do you know what happens? Then he gives me the desires of my heart. And so when people ask, what what does it mean when I delight in the Lord that he gives me the desires of my heart? He will will give us our wants and he will give us our wants. All of the above. Amen. Amen. Because when I want according to his will, the Bible says he holds nothing good back from us. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. When my wants are in line with his will, boy, he gives me the desires of my heart. Psalm 84, verse 11, the Bible says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When we want according to his will, he holds nothing good back from us. And I'm going to tell you, church, there is a fullness to fellowship with Jesus that nothing else can compare with. 
First John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. And that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. You can go through the whole book of First John. And you know what our joy is tied to? Our fellowship with God. The world loves to dangle its trinkets in front of us. And if we live chasing the trinkets of the world, we will never have rest. But I'm going to tell you, church, whether God has given you little or God has given you much... In the financial, material realm, the reality is we can rest in the Lord because God's provision is satisfying. Is satisfying. So resting in the Lord, we see, number one, we can rest in the Lord because God's position is secure. The wicked, I'm not going to fret over that because they're going to answer to God. God's provision is satisfying. Trust in the Lord, do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. One more tonight. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Bible says this. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the new day. Well, we're resting in the Lord. Number one, his position is secure. Number two, his provision is satisfying. Number three tonight, and we're done. We can rest in the Lord because God's promises are sure. God's promises are sure. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That word commit there is an interesting word. It means to roll over. In other words, all of the things that I am carrying, all of the things that weigh me down, all of the things that rob me of rest, I am to roll those over on to the Lord. Peter said, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. I'm going to roll every aspect of my way onto the Lord. And I'm to leave it with him. And the Bible says he will bring it to pass. In other words, it's God's job to accomplish these things in and through me. It's God's job. And remember, God has not failed. God will not fail. God cannot fail. Now... We talk about God's promises and the things that he has promised to bring to pass. Church, it would be good for us to know the promises of God. I think sometimes we struggle because we think God has promised things he never has. And so we wonder, where is God? We wonder, where are these things? We wonder, why is this happening? And and we're basing our understanding on, on promises God never made. Can I give you a few examples? God never promised to make you healthy or wealthy. God never did. I'm sorry. God never promised to make you healthy or wealthy. You know what God did promise, though? That his grace is sufficient. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. His grace is sufficient. Can I give you another one? God has not promised to make you comfortable. God has never promised to make you comfortable. Do you know what he has promised? 
to make you like Jesus. Romans 8, verse 29. You know what God has not promised? To give us all the answers. You know that pesky question, why? How many of us have a why we wish we had an answer to, or at least in our mind we wish we had an answer to? We all have our whys, yeah. Why? 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 God hasn't promised to give us all the answers. Sometimes, why is heaven silent? Why can't I have an answer? Well, God hasn't promised to give us all the answers. But God has promised to guide our every step. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way that we fall. He shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You know what God has not promised? God has not promised us that we wouldn't experience grief. Well, I don't know why God took that person. I don't know why God put me through such and such. I tell you, in love tonight, God never promised to spare you from grief. He never did. But He has promised all comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He is described as the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we might comfort others. Can I tell you what God has not promised you? God has not promised you no problems. Now, I don't like problems. I wish God would take away all my problems. People experience health problems, family problems, money problems, problems knowing direction, problems here, problems there. And we wonder, why is God... Sometimes, sometimes let's be honest, it's, it's, we're almost like the Israelites in the wilderness. And Lord, have you led me here just to kill me? And we wonder. And I, but it's not funny. Because we deeply hurt in this life. And we do wonder why. And we do wonder where is God. And we do wonder what's going on. And we do wonder where it's heading. But the reality is God has not promised us a life where we wouldn't have any problems. What he has promised us is peace. And ultimately he has promised us victory. You look at verse 37 of Psalm 37. David said, Mark the perfect man, the mature man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, Paul wrote, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, 37, Paul wrote, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, church, I think one of the beautiful things that can truly help us rest in the Lord is when we genuinely know what he has said to us, what promises he has made. And then, church, we can rest in the Lord because his promises are sure. But did you notice verse number six? And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. And thy judgment as the noonday. Not only are God's promises in this life sure, but God's promises in the life to come are sure as well. Verse 6 teaches us this. God has promised that he keeps a perfect set of books. And that his people will be vindicated in the 
end. That when it's all said and done, no matter what the world thought of you, no matter what other Christians thought of you, no matter what other people thought of you, when it's all said and done, for those who live for God, there will be a day of vindication when our lives, our testimony, our righteousness in Christ will shine as the new day. There will be no denying, no denying, no denying the people of God. And so in essence, church, what are we called to do? We're called to play the long game. Because the world's going to not understand. The world's going to malign and tear down. Unfortunately, sometimes other Christians do as well. Our motives will be questioned. Our actions will be questioned and judged and, and, and deemed even wickedness in the eyes of the world. But we rest in the Lord We rest that the return on investment is what God said it will be. Verse 11 of this chapter reminds us, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Yes, the evildoers are all around us. Yes, they seem to be prospering. Yes, life is rarely a plain, straight, level path. Often life is hard to live and sometimes even harder to understand. But it is worth it to love God and to live for Him because ultimately the truth will be known and God's people will be vindicated. God's promises are sure. Verse 7 says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Church, I don't know what's going to happen in this country. But at the end of the day, we must, whatever happens in this country, we must rest in the Lord. His position is secure. God's not worried about Washington. God's not worried about Columbus. God's not worried about your manager. God's not worried about that. God's position is secure. His provision is satisfying. And his promises are sure. You know what, church? I don't know what's ahead for any of us personally. Really, the only question for us is, will we choose to rest in the Lord? Church, whatever you face, understand, just rest in his position. He is king. That's not going to change. Whatever you face, rest in his provision. He is good, and that's not going to change. Rest in his promises. He is worthy of our trust, and that's not going to change. Rest, 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 rest in the Lord. We can fret. We can rail, we can murmur, and we can complain, or we can trust in the Lord and find 
rest. Verse number 40, and I'm done. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Church, it's our choice. May we rest in God.